For several weeks now, we've been reading from the book of Genesis, and especially that section called the Abraham Saga. Today's lessons has a connection with what went on at the beginning of the saga, and that is the promise that God made to Abraham. God told him that his descendants would be as numerous as the grains of sand on the beach and as the stars in the heaven. God promised to give him the whole enchilada, and it would be accomplished to Abraham and Sarah's son, Isaac. And that brings us to today's reading. When I was about six or seven, eight years old, I was in a Sunday school class. I think I've told you this before. Kindly, Mrs. Wilson gave everyone who came to class and stayed for the whole class a candy bar. There were six boys in this class because there were no girls of that age. And she read this story of Isaac. And she gave us each a piece of paper and a pencil and said, I want you to write down what your father would say if he was standing there and watching this scene. Raymond Ochii, the son of a Japanese-American, said, I don't have to write it down, Mrs. Wilson. I know what my daddy would say. She said, what was that? He said, my, my daddy would say, run, Isaac, run like hell. As I've gotten older, I find myself getting angry with this kid. I mean, how dense can he be? He's carrying the wood for his own undoing. Wake up, Isaac. You're going to be the steak on the Barbie. Now, it's a safe bet that God does not want us to begin child sacrifice any more than God wanted Abraham to do so. So can we approach this story as we would one of Jesus' parables and see it as we see them as a story that was meant to provoke, to challenge, to make us chew and digest at a deeper level? What might the story be saying to us? about God and his promises and about ourselves. I think we can tackle the question not by beginning at the end, but rather by noting what is said at the end. Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. Now doesn't that sound good? That, that kind of sounds like something out of the Reader's Digest. God will provide. No problems there. In fact, that does not require much chewing and digesting at all. That message just slides down very easily. Maybe too easily. How many times have we said, 
or heard someone else say, driving through the mall parking lot and utter, oh God, please give me a good spot. (laughs) Meaning the space right next to the door. Or a driver who gets a prime spot and exclaims, oh, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Now, I do not doubt that our Heavenly Father is intimately concerned about us, even to the point, as Jesus said, of counting the hairs on our heads. Yet, there is something uneasy about parking lot theology. Is this what Abraham meant when he said the Lord will provide? Does God think that one driver deserves the good spot more than all the other drivers? I don't think so. And this may not seem to be a very impressive example, but it is a very familiar one. The formula is played out in countless other situations. In its extreme, it makes God a cosmic genie or God, the heavenly ATM, into which you punch numbers and presto, you get exactly what you want. Is that the kind of God we have? We may need to learn again the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, there is no such thing as cheap grace. No such thing as an easy way out. Just remember what Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Job, and Jesus went through. So I believe that this passage of the sacrifice of Isaac is calling us to examine how we view God and how we view and understand our relationship with God. Yes, God will provide. That is the promise. But often such provision comes with a cost. As Isaac's own son, Jacob, would learn during a dark night of wrestling with God. As Job would learn without any help from his friends. As Jesus would learn in Gethsemane that he could not avoid drinking from the cup of suffering that lay ahead of him on the cross. Abraham negotiated with God. Jacob wrestled with God. Job complained to God. Jesus pleaded with God. In the end, each one dared to trust, dared to believe that God would provide, especially in all seem most helpless. For with the promise comes the struggle. Ours is a resurrection promise. But this does not mean that we will avoid our Gethsemanes or our dark nights of wrestling with God. That we will avoid times when we feel that we have nothing and that we are nothing. We may not be able to avoid the valleys of death darkness, doubt, despair. But we can cross those valleys because of the promise. 
God is with us. God will provide the means and the strength for us to make it to the other side. We are reminded that God challenges, provokes, and disturbs us to sacrifice our cleverness, our ability to get out of things, and most of all, our naive dreaming that somehow we are immune to the struggles and pains that face the countless faithful before us. Do we dare trust that God will indeed provide? Not necessarily a way out of our difficulties, but always, yet always, a way through them. Do we have eyes to see, the ears to hear, the wits to understand, that God will provide. But it is always, always on God's terms and not ours. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.